morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us online at West Tonka at Bush Lake. Just glad we can be together today. We survived Super Bowl week. Hope you had a lot of fun, had a Super Bowl party. It was the most watched television show in all of history. And not because of the football, but because of Taylor Swift and the ads. And man, what was your favorite Super Bowl ad? I was kind of watching this week, and USA Today has their ad meter, and what rose to the very top, number one, was the State Farm ad, Like a Good Neighbor, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Danny DeVito. That was quite fun. But I think a better question is ask is, what was the most meaningful um, ad from your perspective? There were several of them I thought were meaningful, like this one. Take a look. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. I love your precious heart. I, I was standing. You were there. Two worlds was a whole different pace than all the other ads. It took me in. It drew me in. And yet, I was surprised to read that it was the most controversial of all the ads, number one, in terms of controversy, even among Christians who didn't care for it. So I was following some of the posts, like this one from one Christian who said, the ad doesn't say you should worship Jesus, but Jesus worships you. Or this one from another Christian, it's an insult to show us humbling ourselves to serve people with whom we disagree. This kind of serving means affirming sin. Wow, I go, this is part of our tension in the church in America right now, but when I took it in, I didn't think there was anything in there that was affirming sin at all. I think it was affirming the dignity of all people. It was intended to teach us this is the way we show um, love for people, how we treat people. And we find that Jesus did this very thing, that Jesus washed feet of even Peter, his loyal friend who would deny that he was his friend within hours of having his feet washed. Or even more astoundingly, we find that Jesus washes the feet of Judas Iscariot, and hours later, he betrays him with 30 pieces of silver. But he starts by on bended knee washing feet. I think this whole issue of washing feet is a beautiful figurative expression of the way of Jesus. And it finds itself in a simple way in our own lives when we compliment somebody or perhaps um, when we pay for a lunch of a stranger. But also in the more difficult ways, for instance, when um, we choose to not be defensive when we've been criticized. That's a foot-washing experience. Or when you choose to reach out to an estranged family member, that's a foot-washing experience. Acts of kindness could be involved with that as well. You know, we launched this 2024, and now we're already halfway through February, with an invitation for you to take a next step to grow your faith. 
Wherever you are in your journey, take that next step. And the primary goal for 2024 is Christ-likeness, that when we get to December of 2024, you will be more like Christ than you are even today by taking that next step. And I introduced to you the concept of a spiritual square dance. And so there's even reaction to that little um, ad that's come from another part of our Christian community, and I think they're both right. I think it's both and, not either or. And the spiritual square dance is an emphasis for us in 2024 to dance well with people. And if you've done a square dance, you know how it begins with a bow and a sense of courtesy that's there. Whether you want to dance with the person or not, you're saying, I will be with you. It's okay. And your lead step really matters. It's a two-step dance, but your lead step really matters. And spiritually, the square dance is a lead step of mercy. We start with mercy, and the second step uh, step is that of truth. It's mercy and truth. It's grace and truth. Both are needed and essential, but it starts with the lead step of mercy, Jesus' washed feet. And so we are going to move toward Christ-likeness, and chapter 3 of Colossians is the most prescriptive chapter in all of the New Testament that describes how we live and love like Jesus. How do we go about doing this process and dancing this journey? It is so beautiful. If I could commend to you the memorizing of a key verse, you know it would be 317. We've already elevated it this year, so join me in it, would you? Say it together in unison and with strength because you know it now. I'm pretty sure most of you do. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Teach that to your kids. It'll take them a minute, maybe five. It may take you an hour. Work with them and, and learn it. Put it in your heart and mind that your word and your deed would be done in the name of Jesus. That's the spiritual square dance. And as we get, look to Colossians 3, I sure would commend the whole chapter to you. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. It's so wonderful. We just have a touch point on it today, verses 12 through 17. And uh, it is that most prescriptive part of what it means to be in love like Jesus. And I'm grateful that it's there for us. My title for the message is, I come alive when I wear new clothes. Spiritual clothes. And that's what Paul speaks about in these verses. And they're really compelling. It's a metaphor that is related to how we dress. Because it's important. In fact, clothes say a lot um, about a person, do they not? I, I love Mark Twain. Uh, anybody into reading Mark Twain stuff? I, I think he's so witty, so humorous. And he says something interesting about clothes too. He says, clothes make a man. No naked person has had any kind of influence in society. <laughs> so, get dressed when you wake up in the morning. It's a good thing to do. It's influential. How we dress matters. And we give a lot of attention to how we dress, do we not? I'm brought back to the very beginning of Westwood's journey in 1995 when we started in the Chanhassen Dinner Theater. Up until that point, I had served for 15 years in my previous church, and every Sunday I wore a suit, white shirt, tie, wingtip shoes. In fact, I brought those wingtip shoes. I still have those wingtip shoes. And they're almost 35 years old. I've never resold them, which tells you how often I wear them. But in 1995, we start the church, and for the four, first four weeks, first four Sundays that we're together, I'm wearing a suit, a white shirt, a tie, and wingtip shoes. But I notice every week, I am the only person <laughs> with a suit, a tie, a white shirt, and wingtip shoes. And I said, Joel, pay attention 
to what you're observing. I'm, going, I'm paying attention. I'm talking to myself now. And I said, I'm going to take off the wingtip shoes, and I'm going to wear different clothes. We're about a month into the journey, and uh, I chose the clothes that I was going to wear the night before. That next morning, I woke up. I put them on. They felt so different. After 15 years, we are creatures of habit. It was so hard for me, so I took them off and put my suit back on. <laughs> I really did, two times. And my inner voice was saying, stop this behavior, put on the clothes, and go. And you can tell I'm a little obsessive compulsive. I just confess that to you right off the bat. But I took them off that day, and I felt more one with the others who were gathered in that space. But I think about that as a spiritual analogy that we just learned last week from um, the earlier part of chapter 3 to put on a new set of clothes, to set our minds on things above, set our hearts on things above, put off the clothes you used to wear. They were things, and it's a, quite a long list that's there. It's anger, it's jealousy, it's bitterness, it's sexual immorality. Put off that stuff and put on the new clothes, which is to be and to love like Jesus with his wardrobe. And I think that's true in my own little journey of um, changing clothes, is that the inner self in salvation is transformed instantly. But our external behavior kind of takes some time. We have to listen to that voice to get ourselves moving in that given direction. And then you look at how, for us, the challenge of styles with clothes changed so much. I mean, clothes are disposable today. Don't you agree with that? I'm amazed. You used to buy a sweater and wear it for five years or 10 years, and now you wear it for one season for a, a, a country and a world that's trying to be more greater stewards of the, the planet. I'm amazed how many clothes we go through in life today. But there's good news for us as Christ followers because the styles of the first century are the same styles in vogue today in the 21st century. And that's what we're going to look at today, the very styles, the compelling wardrobe that is given to us for essential garments that never wear out, that are good every day, any place, at any time, any season. And they're found in the imperatives of this verse. Imperatives are commands. And it is to put on love, the garment of love. Put on peace, the garment of peace. Put on thankfulness, the garment of thankfulness. Put on God's word. Let it um, richly dwell within you is the picture that you have. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the wardrobe of the saints in Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And it begins with this first imperative. Put on is the imperative. You'll find in the text it says, clothe yourself. That's the imperative. Put on the garment of love. And I'd like to invite you just to listen to um, this imperative and the object of love that flows from it, from the first few verses of 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And here it is. And over all these virtues, put on love. There's the imperative. Put on and the object of the imperative, the primary object, is love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's the picture you have in this passage, this incredible call to wear the clothes of Christ, but with this umbrella of love. Look again. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So we find here the reason for the clothes that we wear. Isn't that amazing, friends? This is our identity. So special clearly spoken so simply that we are chosen and chosen simply 
means when it comes to salvation, God took the initiative toward us, and we respond. That he chose to move toward us with grace, which is his favor, that would open the door of salvation with him. He chose us. Have you ever been in a game and you're just waiting to be chosen to be on? It's one of the worst experiences of all. Will I be chosen or not? No, he takes the initiative. He chooses us to open that door of salvation. We're chosen people. It's part of our identity. And not just chosen, we are holy. And you think of yourself, and probably holy isn't the first word that comes into your mind. Am I right on that? But it's not your holiness, it's the holiness of Christ in you that moves you into a new place where you take off that old wardrobe you used to wear, the sin, the selfishness, the systems of evil that are around us. And we move toward the Savior who dwells within us. It's his holiness that makes us want to change our clothes, to wear the clothes that he has for us, that he's already put in the spiritual closet of our soul. It's already there. And then he says that you are his dearly loved, or we are the beloved children of God. And I just love this reminder because I don't think there's a more beautiful truth than to know that we're beloved. We're loved by God himself. Karl Barth is um, one of the world's great theologians in history, German theologian. He had given a lecture, and there's a Q&A afterwards. He was asked, what's the greatest spiritual truth you've ever learned? This great thinker, he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we're beloved. So we say around here, you are not what you have. Let your identity not be in what you have. You are not in what you do. Don't let your identity be in what you do. You are not what people say about you. Thank God for that. But you are the beloved son or daughter of the living God. We're beloved. So the reason we wear these new clothes is because we have a new identity. And in the spiritual closet of our soul, when we have received Christ, is Christ himself. And he moves us from this incredible place of the reasons to the actual resources, or you could even say the radiance of what it is we get to wear. You find these five different garments that come under that canopy of love. There's this compassion, which is simply a love that's rooted in the tender affection of Jesus for you. I hope you think of Jesus as having tender affection for you. I love these portions of the scripture where Jesus weeps for people. God weeps because of our given place. That's his beautiful compassion. Or we wear this kindness garment. Kindness is simply rooted in, um, in goodness, in doing good and being good. Jesus did this for people. He met them, saw them, saw their need, and met their need. And so we're called to see each other, to meet each other's needs, to care for the poor, the need, needy in the world. That's part of our call as being a kind people, part of the garment that we were. And then there's this beautiful gift of humility, so radically different than where most people are naturally inclined to go. It's rooted in this attitude to think of others interest greater than your own. So when we talk about there are two kinds of people in the world today, there are here I am kind of people and there you are kind of people. We're that way because of who God is. He's a there you are kind of person. And you've been in those settings, maybe in your Super Bowl party, you walk into the room and you can tell the difference. A here I am kind of person, here I am. Come love on me. A there you are kind of person who finds you and asks questions about you. That is the humility of our Lord that moves us in that direction. And then there's that gentleness, that love, that rooted love that is about our posture to not be finger pointers, but to be open-armed. 
This is the way of Jesus. He meets us with an openness. And what a gift it is because he doesn't approach us with a harshness. He's not reactionary that way. He's not trigger happy. Um, he's not easily exasperated. No, Jesus is just there with that open arm. He understands us, and he, as the video says, he gets us and meets us in that given place. And then that final garment here is that patience, and patience is, um, it's rooted in the, that love expression of restraint, <laughs> to be patient, or it's sometimes translated long-suffering because you suffer long when you're patient, and I would say of these particular five garments, for me personally, patience has been the hardest one to take out of the closet right away. <laughs> I struggle with patience, but I always feel this way when I confess so openly and transparently to you that you should do the same for me. You don't have to say it out loud. I won't put that. I said mine out loud. Did you notice that? But which one is yours? We are called. This is an imperative love, and these are the different garments that we're called to display and boy, does it take hold in the world in which we live. It's so needed. So God is compassionate toward you. That's, why, that's how we get to learn to be compassionate toward others. He's compassionate toward you, so you get to be compassionate toward others. He's patient toward you, so you get to be pa um, patient toward others. You know? He's gentle toward you, um, so you can be gentle toward others. Can you see the rhythm of life that we talk about here that God gives? He's the first giver. We receive. We receive his compassion, his gentleness, his patience, and then we have a capacity to give it out. Otherwise, we miss that um, particular clothing. So only when we let God um, be that to us do we find that capacity to be that for others. So we find the reason, we find the resources that are here, but there's also a result to external garments, and I'm telling you, when you wear them, it's like a living advertisement. People take notice, and they're drawn in by what they see. And we find that in verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. These two things, forbear, bear each other, hold each other up in times of difficulty and hardship. Forgive each other. Man, is that a powerful thing people see. When we live in that beautiful um, garment, people notice it and it stands out. I just had it this past week on bearing each other up. Um, one of our neighbors, longtime neighbors, um, lost their, our kids all grew up together. Their 31-year-old son, unfortunately, was killed in an automobile accident. And so I've been with them over the course of the last week. But you know who else has been with them? His niece, my friend's niece, who's been there in her early 30s, Every meeting, every gathering, she has been there holding them up. That's the power of a gift of when you just know this is the good and right thing to do. It just lifts you up. And it's not always that dramatic for us. Sometimes a person just had a blue day. So you give a call or you send a card that's forbearing each other. It's helping each other out. And it stands out. It blesses the person, but it also stands out to others. This little niece, they go, wow, I'm just drawn by her just intuitive sense of I'm with you. You grieve. I'll take care of all the details. What a gift. And then you forgive each other, which I think, honestly, the garment of forgiveness is maybe the hardest garment to wear. Now, in certain cultural settings, if I was preaching, I would get a really pronounced amen after that. <laughs> Sometimes forgiveness is the hardest garment for us to wear. Amen. And I hope that got said at all of our sites. It's hard. It's really hard to say I'm sorry. It's really hard to say I forgive you. But friends, this is the garment we wear. 
um, because of who Jesus is and what he does. And if we choose not to wear it, you know what happens. Betterness takes hold of our, our soul. And then we start to live in a hurt place. And it hurts to hurt, and hurt people hurt other people too, by the way. But I just want to say, not every relationship um, that has experienced hurt will be restored on the face of the earth. But every hurtful relationship needs forgiveness. This is the second time Paul has brought this up. It's that important of a deal. And I referenced last time that, it, that forgiveness just takes one person. But reconciliation takes two. But we're not always in control of the two coming together as one. But we are in control of forgiving. And so if you find yourself letting the pain of yesterday's hurt keep you from letting God heal you of that pain, I just want to remind you, he heals you of the pain. It can take some time, but forgive. Could I say that again? Forgive. Forgive. So the cantankerous sore doesn't end up in your own given soul. And by the way, Jesus has forgiven you more of anything than you ever could forgive of anybody else. He becomes that pattern of generous giving to that given end, and I'm so grateful that he does. He longs for us to move into this place, and it's all held together by this beautiful gift of love. I put it back up again in uh, Colossians 3, 14. If I go to the next verse, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's the umbrella, and so it, it holds all those other garments together, put on the imperative, this incredible love, because it makes the fit be better in the body of Christ. It makes our our clothes match, which is important. I, I mean, earlier this week, I said to Carrie, does this look okay? I was just leaving for a meeting, and she said, no. So <laughs> I went up and changed my clothes. Sometimes I need some help, and sometimes in the body of Christ, we need to help each other. No, what you're wearing does not fit the way of Jesus. Try this on instead. Let's help each other to that given end. That's the call that we have. So that's the heart of that passage, but it has three other imperatives. I just want to touch on them briefly. And the second imperative is to put on the garment of peace. Put on is the imperative, and put on this clothing called peace. And we find it in Colossians verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. I mean, this is beautiful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it dwell in your hearts. In the journey. Since as members of one body, you're called to peace. I love the communal posture of the passage. We want to interpret everything personally for our own lives. But when you read the scriptures, it's first interpreted communally before it is individually. We've changed that in the American church. We make it about us. No, it's about community. We are members of one body. And when the peace of Christ rules in us personally, when the peace of Christ rules in us together, people take notice. They see it. It does good for people. It does good for you. When you have peace ruling in your heart, it's good for you. And when you bring peace to the communal nature of being with other people, it does good for them. That's the imperative, wear this beautiful garment. Then there's a third imperative that we're given here. And the third imperative is simply put on the garment of thanksgiving. Put on is another imperative. Thanksgiving, as we've said every single week that Paul has sprinkled in salt and peppered this call to be thankful. He's teaching this church of Colossae and us to be a thankful people. And we find that in the verse again, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. I just love the short, concise staccato, and be thankful. 
and be thankful. What a reminder. Wake up in the morning and be thankful. Start your day with gratitude. It's a command from the Lord. You may not feel like it, but Christ who is in you will make you want to be thankful. Whatever the day holds, whatever the circumstances are, Lord, I will be thankful. Let gratitude be the mark of the beginning of your day. Roll out of bed. Don't shave first. Don't get dressed first. Oh yeah, get dressed. Let the first garment be gratitude. Put on gratitude and be thankful. It will change the flow of your day on so many fronts. Something good will happen in you and something good will happen in others. And we find here it's a comprehensive thankfulness. There's no limitations. There's no qualifications that are given here. It is Simply a call for us to be a thankful people. Not thankful for hardship that may be in our lives. Who's thankful for that? Thankful for the Christ who is in us through the hardship. It's a thankfulness through Christ. Let me take you back to our verse, theme verse for the year because it calls us to that given place. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, whatever you say or whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him through him. That's the way it happens. How can we be thankful when so much heart is around us? By turning to him. That's the invitation that he gives to us. And then there's one more, and that is to put on the garment of Christ's message. It's also translated in some of your Bibles as Christ's word. Put on, as the imperative, this message, the word of Christ. Look what it says. It's so rich and beautiful. Let the message of Christ Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There it is again. Let the message of Christ, let the word of Christ soak in your hearts. Let it dwell in you richly. Open up the word, be in the word, but not just individually. We find that the two key words are one another. Look at it again. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. It's calling us to be a together kind of people. It's a community passage, as many of these are. That is, they're getting together to teach each other, like we are right now. They're getting together to admonish each other. They're getting together to be thankful um, for each other and for what Christ is doing. Um, They're getting together to just always communicate the beauty of what it means to come as his people and even sing songs. That when we sing songs, we're letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Love that we get to worship together. That's all part of what the Lord has for us. So I just remind you, yeah, you have those private times, alone times, sometimes anonymously, where we just start to develop this private faith formation. But do you realize this is saying that your faith formation will always be limited when you're alone? We're called to do it together. Friends, come together. And even for those that are on our online, we're so grateful for our launch. Sometimes you can't come in presence. We understand that. But when you can, come in presence because something happens. We teach each other. We admonish each other. We sing songs together that put the word of Christ in our hearts. And we're thankful together in a really, really cool way. This text, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, um, I first memorized it when I was 23, a new Christ follower. I had started a ministry with the ministry, it was my first ministry, to 14, or, you know, they were middle school kids, but I had a, a group called Aug, Approved Unto God, or about 40, 50, 14-year-olds, and we'd take them to Canada, and uh, I would drive the bus to Canada, to Alberta, Canada, of all places, and... Um, I'm just telling you, I was the only bus driver with 40, 14-year-olds. 
so God help me. So I required an, an hour of silence every day, and I had control of those kids. They can be quiet for an hour, friends, I'm just telling you. And I said, you can sleep or whatever, but I said, we're going to memorize this passage. We memorized these verses, and every night at campfire, we shared them together. I'm telling you, when I run into one of those kids today, now they have young kids of their own, and they're moving on, they remember this verse. It was a faith forming deal. Memorize Colossians 3, 12 through 17 and you'll be blessed. Okay. Final thought from C.S. Lewis. I love this. If you struggle with any of it, he gives this call and from Jesus to, to dress in the way of Jesus, wear Jesus' clothes. And this is what he says. But there is also a good kind of pretending where the pretense leads up to the real thing. When you are not feeling particularly friendly, but know you ought to be, the best thing you can do very often is to put on a friendly manner and behave as if you were a nicer person than you actually are. Good picture. And in a few minutes, as we have all noticed, you will be feeling friendlier than you were. Very often, the only way to get a quality in reality is to start behaving as if you had it already. Isn't that great? We have it already. In your spiritual closet is Jesus himself who wears the most majestic, beautiful clothes that make you feel great about you and make others feel better about the world in which they live. So I commend you. Would you put on the garment and wear the garment of love? That is Jesus. Wear the garment of peace because it is your longing. Wear the garment of thanksgiving. Let gratitude be seen in your face. Wear the garment of letting the word of God just dwell in you richly. I promise God will be honored, you will be blessed, and your neighbor, they will experience the benefit of your goodness. So let's stand together and uh, we'll, we'll pray. Father God, thank you for the gift of life and love that comes from Jesus. And as we gather together, we stand together, we're united together, we stay here together in this moment, and we say thank you for love, a garment that is now in us, a peace that rules in us, even in a turbulent world, a gratitude, no matter the circumstances, that can be ours. And no doubt, Lord, there is your word that makes us alive in you so we know how to dress as your Christ followers. May we do that well with mercy and truth all the days of our lives to your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to invite Clint to come on up. I'm going to go to Let's Meet. Do you just stay for a moment? Because Clint's going to give you a brief word before um, we head out.